Well, I really liked how she she doesn't practice what she preaches at all. So she's all about, you know, can't people just be nice? Can people just, you know, disagree, but in a nice manner? Um, and she's helping her daughter with this free speech assignment. And, you know, she thinks that's very important. Yet when somebody says mean words to her, it ends in, in murder. So I saw it as somebody who is going towards a, like a serious psychosis. Um, and I think, you know, the, the film starts with her already in a, in a pretty bad place. I think she's fed up. She's, she's had it. She's going, you know, she, she goes to the police. They can't help her. She tries to uh, cut her Wi-Fi. It's not working. She's drawn back in. I wasn't in a great mood during shooting. I needed to be, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty chipper person myself, but I, I needed to not, you know, be too open because, and I told the director before, I said, okay, this, in order to do this well, I think I have to be sort of just constantly, constantly pretty tense. So even like in taking direction, I would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, what is it? You know, because otherwise I can't make that, that switch. So it wasn't exactly, I didn't feel too good while doing it. I did still have fun in, in the humor of it. And I think evil has a light side as well. And sometimes it is, you know what, within all this darkness, we, we do have some some levity. I think, you know, the, the, the people who have made this know very well how to keep us engaged. And I sometimes lose time on my phone where I'm like, wait, what have I been doing? This is crazy. Why am I don't want to fill my brain with this. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Kevin is in Amsterdam. Woo! How's it going, Kevin? I'm very tired, but it's cool. It's exciting. What dedication to the podcast. He just flew to Amsterdam. Here he is, and he made the show. Hey, have, have you um, impressed anyone with your knowledge of Dutch horror cinema yet? Uh, not really. Uh, I've tried <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to. <laughs> it's not for lack of effort. They weren't wowed that you know about the lift and well, Dick Moss and I've only seen two other uh, two of our Hoofdorp uh, companions. I mean, we I have only been actually in Amsterdam since God. It was like nine o'clock this morning, uh, which would have been like three three a.m. for you guys. Um, so I did a quick dinner and I tried to, I tried to tell them what the podcast was about. I tried to say in honor of you, uh, I am doing Dutch horror. And they were like, we couldn't tell you a single Dutch horror movie. Mm. <laughs> Next week. It's my favorite week. It's come back around again. Uh, I have a couple brand new discoveries for you guys, new to me, and I'm hoping new to you. We're going to check out a movie from 1987 called Blood Harvest, <laughs> starring Tiny Tim. Wow. Kat, nice. Kat, you know who Tiny Tim was? Is he a wrestler? No. <laughs> <laughs> Far from it. No, Tiny Tim, he was a musician with a ukulele, tiptoe through the tulips with oh. the long hair, ooh, the high ooh, voice. Ooh, 
yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I bet you didn't know he stars in a 1980s slasher called Blood Harvest. That's free on Tubi. Um, it's on a couple of the more obscure subscription sites like Night Flight and Arrow, but I watched it on Tubi and there was like one commercial. So that's what I would do. And then uh, something a little bit more contemporary from 2012, a Japanese film called Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. Oh, that yeah, is... I love that one. Stop. You've seen that one? Damn yeah. it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I've seen that one. That's wild. Wait, I'm uh, sorry. I was hoping. Sorry. <laughs> Zombie ass toilet, oh, of, toilet the dead. of the dead. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that is Wonderful. a rental on, uh, you can rent it on Prime or you can do what I did. And I just watched the whole thing on YouTube for free. If you just search zombie ass toilet of the dead, um, it'll come right up. Not the a lot sing- pops up besides that. Well, there are clips, but the it, the full movie will come right up in the channel. It's on is called Sinclair 1420. <laughs> Some maniac has this movie on their channel, the full version um, I was um, really bummed. I was hoping that maybe nobody had seen that, but uh, Dave, I shouldn't be surprised. You're mm. you're a fan. I think it's going to give Tokyo Gore Police a run for its money. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. This week, in honor of Kevin's uh, first trip ever overseas to Amsterdam, he has decided to uh, bring us a couple of Dutch horror films, which we have not yet talked about on Speak All Evil. Um, Kevin, we are starting, I understand, with a movie called The Lift from 1983. The Lift, yes. So when you're researching Dutch horror films, it's a pretty short list. There aren't a lot of offerings out of uh, this country. No. And yeah, and uh, one of the first ones that I could find, and I'm sure there are others that came before, but like widely known Dutch horror films was 1983's The Lift, written and directed by, and apparently scored by Dick Maas, M A A S, who is sort of a legendary Dutch director, not just for horror, for other things as well, but horror is definitely where. Uh, he laid and he's got uh, a couple other horror movies that almost made my pick this week one of which is called Amsterdam which just the name alone seemed like Mm. it would be you know it would have a clear advantage yeah Uh, another one's a little more recent 2010 uh, Sint or Saint sometimes oh the Christmas uh, Evil Santa movie one other Evil Santa movie yes we've done those so Uh, and I thought we'd just go back to where a lot of people think it all began it's a really easy premise it's about an evil elevator so hot on the heels of Dave having some sexy time with machines uh, and some of them being very evil, uh, I thought we'd just keep rolling and it fit kind of perfectly. So basically you've got an evil uh, elevator uh, in Amsterdam and you've got uh, a very small cast, um, but a very uh, engaging cast. You have Hoob Staple as Felix, who is the elevator technician who takes great pride in his work and takes great interest in this evil machine right away. Uh, I, I Willie Van Amelroy as Mika De Beer, who is a journalist who also takes interest in the fact that all these random people are dying uh, in or around this uh, elevator. Um, and then really you've got kind of like your laundry list of like 80s horror characters. You've you know got bad bosses, you've got an evil corporation, Uh, In my favorite part of the movie, um, you have biological processing chips. Um, This thing gets like very, uh, I guess, body horror for a machine near the end of it. Um, And it's really, really good. There are some great deaths. 
obviously a pretty constrained budget, um, but they do stick with practical here um, for the most part. Um, and I never knew this. Uh, I never seen this movie. Obviously, I'd never heard of you know half of the movies that I looked up uh, when I was trying to find a couple picks. Um, but Dick Moss, he pulled a, a Michael Haneke, and he redid his own movie in 2001. Um, not quite like Haneke did with a shot for shot, but it had a Naomi Watts pre Mulholland Drive, and I believe pre The Ring had James Marshall, Michael Ironside, Edward Herman, Ron Perlman. What? Um, so I'm not sure how I never heard about that. Well, it was early aughts, so mm. I think we were all kind of like in and out of like the horror world at that time. Um, but I liked this. Um, my, my first question that I wanted to ask you guys after watching it was, are you guys going to give me the shaft? Oh, stop. That's actually the name of the remake. He, he, the remake he made is either called Down or The Shaft, depending on where you look. Uh, I liked The Lift, um, but it takes place in, like, not just another country, but, like, another universe. It was, like, <laughs> it was like part Maximum Overdrive, part Days of Our Lives, meets yeah. Die Hard a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and the, th- the thing that I just kept thinking was, like, so funny is, like, uh, it was, like, like, when you're a little kid, like, you're told you can be anything you want, like you know, an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer or apparently an elevator repairman. Because <laughs> this cards, job right? is held in such high esteem. The headquarters of the elevator repair place is like a precinct. And there's even a, ca- a captain elevator guy. <laughs> and there's some protocol. And he's taking off the case. And it's, it's oh. just funny. <laughs> How and many elevators was- are there that they need this many people? The elevators are apparently very more problematic in this part of the, the world. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the electrician. I mean, I know tons of electricians. Uh, he was portrayed like a... a nuclear physicist or something (laughs) (laughs) he was in like a lab coat and and, uh i did think uh this movie had uh way too many characters um and if it's gonna have so many i i would have expected a little bit more splatter get rid of them efficiently uh they lingered a little bit too long on introducing new people to have them die but ugin flugin this one was great uh my people (laughs) Well, this movie is uh, so far ahead of its time um, because this this is, I would say, one of the earliest examples of elevated horror. Stop. <laughs> so many puns already in this episode. <laughs> I, would, I, would re- I would remake this movie and I would call it Elevator. I, I guarantee you there's a movie. I'm going to look it up. Right now. <laughs> the, the artwork to me, the... The uh, the poster that we see, I don't know, I don't think it's the original one, but the poster that we see has the little blonde girl in the white dress and her little baby doll. Mm-hmm. She's standing in front of the blood red elevator doors, which are cracked open, and the like zombie hand is coming. Out. It looks so much like a like a a, a metal album from the eighties that would have been called Elevator. I couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about that the I, whole time. I got one for you. All right, Alligator. <laughs> I can- Alligator. It's an elevator that's actually an alligator. Um, That's it. You know, Dave, I didn't really think about you. You made a great point. This is um, you don't very often see uh, uh, 
elevator repairman take the case too far. He's got, <laughs> he's gotten too deep into this repair case. He, yeah, the boss has to, for his own good, for his own safety, for the, the health of his family. This is a, a classic kind of case where the hero, um, he's sacrificing the health of his own family. He's having all these troubles at home. His wife is, leaves at one point, takes the kids away, but that's how committed he is to finding out what is going on with this elevator? Got to stop the killing. Um, you know, I really liked this one. It, it put me off at first. Like, the first thing is it's English dub. and Yeah, sorry about th- that. That is not what I want to see. Oh, but yeah. I will say that, you know, once you get into it, it's a pretty good dub. The dub performances are, like, really lively and... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Not bad for this. Like I, I kind of forgot about halfway through that, um, that it was even happening. Like, okay, I, I can totally deal with that. Um, some shining vibes, of course. I thought with this, um, some of the colors gave me like the Suspiria vibes. Very like European horror, kind of, kind of visual, like stylistic stuff going on. Um, I liked the family stuff. I thought that they seemed to be. I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but they seem to have like pretty frank dinner table conversations with the kids, you know, talking about breasts and sex and having their marital, you know, having their fights right in front of the kids. And no, she's that a, seems pretty American to me. Was I that guess so. I don't know. I mean, I've experienced kind of that. <laughs> like, Dad, what does adultery mean? Yeah, like what? Don't bring your weird <laughs> shit in. That's what your father's doing. I did think the mom was a little bit tough at the table. She's like, don't read at the table. And then she's like, don't talk at the table. Like, yeah. damn, what are you... What are you supposed to do at the table? Just uh, sit in silence and eat, I guess. You can't do anything. No wonder this guy's spending more time at the office. Um, I appreciated you get uh, like some boobage right away, a little sex in the elevator scene. Um, this is actually kind of hits home a little bit to me because uh, in, in real life, I don't really have a problem with elevators. I don't love it when I have to go in like an obviously old one and I might look at the certificate or something, but... Um, Elevators have been terrorizing my dreams for my entire life. I have nonstop, I constantly have reoccurring dreams about elevators going wrong, that I'm in an elevator and I can feel it uh, snap and start plummeting to the bottom of the building, or it like goes crazy and it starts shooting up like a rocket to the top of the building, or it's opening between floors. It won't stop. I can't get out. Like, even recently, like, as long as I can remember, I've been having these dreams. So that was a kind of a cool angle to this like um, inanimate object horror, which Stephen King, of course, is is known as kind of the king of. Um, and we just talked about. So I thought it connected well to um, to Maximum Overdrive, and I had a good time with this one. I thought this movie had the potential to be a really campy, gory, and fun take on something that a lot of people have legitimate fears of that are terrified of and i i think it had its moments for sure i liked the decapitation i thought that was fun that was like a campy like obviously fake head rolling off kind of a situation um we got some boobs right off the bat trent was talking about those beautiful titties um and the idea you know of a sentient elevator it's fun on paper i think this movie could have been great However, I think it just lost me at some point. You know, they bring in this huge like cover up conspiracy thing. And I'm like, okay, so it's not like a devil possessed this elevator. Less fun for me. 
less of a fun situation. But I was like, okay, uh, I'm I'm still down. But then the weird affair backstory comes in, the weird wife, the weird like kids. I don't know. It lost me at some point because it like didn't even delve into like the family at all. They would just like show the clips of the wife being like, yeah, you having an affair? You're never home, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, next scene. Like there was no like backstory between them. There was like that weird moment at the beginning when he's like, I have this black eye because I talked to this like mob guy's wife. And then she yeah. was like, yeah, I bet you did more than talk about talk to him about it. and he's like what does that mean and i'm like what is happening <laughs> like what is this weird that was thing a that's weird going scene. on yeah. yeah like i feel like that could have just been thrown out like we 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 didn't really need that um yeah it just kind of got to a point where it dropped off and then just dragged on for me like i think in the last the last whole 45 minutes of it for me he's just like poking around in like the wires and the elevator and he's just like what's going on i don't know there's no dialogue for like a good like 20 minute span there's nothing going on it's just him like poking at wires and being like oh the elevator's alive oh oh like there's just not much happening it just wasn't like a very to me it wasn't a very climactic ending I thought the final kill was was fun, like the last like sneaky bit, yeah. like, yeah. and now you're yep. hung. But even that couldn't have saved it because the and then at the end they're just like, well, guess the elevator's still evil. Have a good one. Like I don't know, it just didn't really. I had really high hopes for like a campy fun situation, and I, I don't think my hopes were um, were tingled enough. Well, I think some of the some of the stuff too that throws us off, like not that some of the editing wasn't a little questionable, because clearly you're scene jumping, but the English dub could have something to do with it too. Regardless of the performances, you don't really know like how they're translating like mm-hmm. those sentences, like how faithfully, or if they're trying to make them sound like more American or English because of the language that they're dubbing it in. But I did think it checked off a lot of boxes for like eighties horror. Like Trent, you talked about like the boobs right away like that's the perfect cold open for how you have to do an 80s horror movie and also how you have to do some sort of like evil thing movie you've got to have a bunch of strangers run into it right from the Mm get-go and i thought that i i actually was kind of disappointed when they didn't die like i was like (laughs) oh man like we're gonna start by cooking like four or five people i was like wicked pumped and i was like oh man i almost cried when the little girl didn't die (laughs) (laughs) that was a tease i didn't really think this this really i was expecting it to be more wacky 80s horror this to me isn't really of that ilk this is to me is a a much more traditional like kind of dramatic structure it's really not relying on any gore any shock it's not like it's not fast paced it's pretty slow I thought for as weird as this is um, I thought it was a a more traditional movie and it does look great I thought but that's not what I wanted when I hear there's an evil elevator from 1983 what I want is a fucking sleepaway camp what I want is like buck wild campy like hilarious not hilarious hilarious to us funny upbeat situation I don't want like Dave said, like a weird like stories. You know what I mean? Like I don't want a soap opera, drama, horror movie. I want a funny, this weird elevator situation. It's a ridiculous premise and uh, spoiler alert, primordial ooze. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That really should have paid a lot more. The, the movie comes down to, like you said, Dave, a body horror almost kind of thing with bio chips, you know, chips made of organic matter. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to end the movie with like the machine is alive, I really think it should have paid more than that, more than just like hammering at a fuse box for a couple minutes. The fuse box is losing <laughs> yeah. flesh and goo. Like there should be, it should have been a bigger bang at the end for sure. Well, I mean, all done with the practical effects, no stunt people on the movie. Um, I had read at one point that like Dick Moss got fired from his own movie and then came yes. back and then yeah. they wanted someone else <laughs> to score the movie and then they couldn't afford anyone else. So he borrowed like a Jupiter eight and a Juno 60 synthesizer and did the entire score. So, I mean, yeah, th- this whole thing is like a real grassroots affair from a country that has never really delved into horror. So, you know, maybe culturally that this is their version of like an eighties movie like an American 80s movie. Um, And naturally, they're going to have maybe like a little more drama, like a little more character. Um, But I mean, all the kills are great. Uh, And you want to talk about camp. The blind man... The blind man's no. death is, like, hilarious. After he gets swindled on a deal because he can't see the contract <laughs> yeah. with a view, the guy's <laughs> yeah. telling him about the view. Like, that wouldn't happen in a movie today. It's just openly, like, pulling the wool over the blind guy's eyes about where he's moving into. No, there's really, there's really good, like, scene follow-up where after there's the decapitation scene, the very next scene is somebody cutting a cigar. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't... You mentioned the the score by Moss. I love the score. And um, before he made this movie, which he also wrote, Dick Moss uh, directed a couple videos for Golden Earring, the Dutch rock band, including the classic MTV 80s staple Twilight Zone, one of my favorite uh, videos as a kid. I love that video. <laughs> I can still remember it today, like the, the card, the little, little jagged cut card that they have to like match up and like, you know, the bullet hits the bone and all that. Good stuff. I don't know if I would ever recommend The Lift or watch The Lift again. <laughs> it's somehow with all this stuff that's going on, it does somehow, it might, maybe it's the dub or maybe it's that you can't watch it without commercials, but it's a long, boring movie. I definitely fell asleep. Because like I said, like the last, however, like once you get past all the, like these setting up plot points, it's very slow. It's a, there's it not is. a lot of action yeah. going on. Which I'm not no. saying is a bad thing, but for this type of movie, it just, I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. And we, who's we, the guy that's running around and yelling that 250,000 people a year yeah. <laughs> in Amsterdam alone get stuck in elevators? Like, in another, I think you said the country. Oh, well, I mean, apparently I will be stuck in an elevator. <laughs> 250,000, yeah. And my, Kevin, I'm also on the 13th floor. <gasps> I know, so. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> You're on the 13th floor in a country, and this was 1983, so it must be like 500,000 by now. Stuck <laughs> in elevators every year. That's scary. We didn't um, mention the journalist. That's another, see, that's another element to this that to me is just more like classic dramatic storytelling than horror. The, there's the whole story about the journalist who is onto the the case herself. She's onto this elevator malfunction thing and she's going to bust the case wide open and she starts working with Felix, the elevator repairman, and, and stoking his wife's fears of an affair. So they're kind of like, now they're like this buddy cop team almost. And that's something that you see all the time in these kinds of movies is like the journalist role. So again, I thought that there were a lot of like true, you know, cinematic, dramatic forms, certainly from American films, even outside of horror, that I thought this movie was kind of doing its version of. There was a lot of uh, ungotten uh, microfiche 
opportunity here. I mean, they yeah. really missed out. I mean, maybe they could have gotten to the bottom of this way before they saw these specialists. There's that whole middle <laughs> section of the movie where they're just going from all these specialists and everyone has like a uniform. Yeah. Like it's a future or something. It's really strange. Yeah, there's the exposition section of the movie where it's just them sitting there and people explain things to them. I think there is something inherently scary about the power that you relinquish when you step into an elevator. It's not like an escalator. It's not like stairs. You have no agency. You're giving up all of your agency to an unknown device. Your entire life now depends on this closed, no window, no communication device that you're just trusting to deliver you where you need to go. And if it doesn't, you're dead. So I do think that that the underlying kind of basis for this is actually pretty scary. There's a part at the end where the music did the suspenseful noise, like when I don't really think it was needed or whatever. And the guy like covers his mouth with his hand. And it looks as though when he when the hand goes over his mouth that it's someone else's hand. And I was like, but this guy's getting just kidnapped by a person in the elevator now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of another similarity to Maximum Overdrive. This has the sound effect when something happens, when the elevator does something that... You know, that sound? It's so, like, ridiculously overdone. We didn't talk about that in Maximum Overdrive, but that version of it is, like, so crazy. It's, like, the same same deal. Yeah, psycho kind of thing. I think they also missed out on an opportunity to have the elevator have more of a personality. Yes, big time. Big time. You know, like, like maybe there could be uh, some uh, uh, a screen that has like words on it or something. It could mm-hmm. swear at the people. Call and Stephen I also King an asshole. Should shoot blood out of the the shaft. Yes. You know, like when they were looking yeah. up the shaft and the blood was dripping down. I wanted like the shining to happen, like just a big. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this is organic matter. This this elevator is like alive in some sense and has a mind. It's evil. You could have done way more mm-hmm. with that. Definitely. I think the only should have. I think the only time it had like a personality was when it was like playing with that little girl. That's like yeah. the only yeah. time it. Se- I was like, oh, it's okay. It's doing something. Last classic thing in this movie. The last guy who worked on the elevator went insane. And yeah, now lives in a, yeah, an asylum. He, he yeah, couldn't not handle. even dead. You guys, um, anybody know a, a good shaft inspector? Stop. I'm. I think I'm I, not even gonna I, laugh. I'm not even gonna laugh at it. I'll move your laugh. I'll move your laugh. I'm, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Fuck. You need to remember that, cat. Do you guys, um, anybody know a, a good shaft inspector? All right, the second pick for Dutch Horror for me this week is much more recent. Uh, This one came out in 2019, and it's a little movie called The Columnist, and I believe this is still on Shudder right now. It is. Mm -hmm. With no English dubs, you're going to have to listen to Dutch and read subtitles, but it's well worth it. Um, This one stars Katja Herbers as Fumke Boot, and Fumke Boot is a columnist. She is under attack constantly on television by fellow columnists and especially the internet. And one day just snaps and decides, you know what? 
I'm going to go track down these internet trolls and just kill them. That is pretty much the columnist in a nutshell. Obviously, this one has a lot more black comedy in it. I love Katya Herbers. She is one of my favorite actresses going right now. She's in. Uh, she's the star of, it's on Paramount Plus now. I believe it started on CVS, uh, CBS, not CVS. Um, this show called Evil, which, you know, for primetime, is a really good show. Um, she, you also probably would recognize her from Westworld, uh, The Leftover. She's got a lot of TV, but this is the first time I really saw her star in a movie, and boy, does she kill it. Um, she's got her, her boyfriend that she meets, uh, Stephen Death, and she's got her daughter, uh, Anna Boot, uh, and then you've just got a, a cast of characters that she needs to go around and take care of. So um, I think that this one's great. I think it took no time getting right down to it. I think it has a completely ridiculous, like, beautiful murder montage scene right where one should be in a movie like this where you paste, you get real, like, intimate with some of her first kills and then they just show you her going through, like, a pile of murders. If I ever went to her house, I would never ask her to pass the piece. Oh. But overall, this one, you know, I thought it was a superior film to The Lift. I think The Lift was just more culturally important in terms of, like, the region's horror. I think the columnist um, is a really good direction. Uh, Evo Van Art was the director of this, written with Dean Windhorst. Um, and again, with a lot of these movies that we're talking about, and the actors, actresses, people involved in directing and writing, there aren't a lot. There isn't a lot out there beyond their Dutch work. Um, so Kachi Herbers is definitely one of the rare occasions. Um, but I'm guessing that you guys enjoyed this a little bit more than The Lift. I really enjoyed this one. Assume that you all thought I would probably enjoy it as well. I knew you'd be cheering, um, standing and cheering. It was fun to me. I thought it was, you know, topical to the times that we're dealing with. Um, it had a lot of fun death scenes. I thought that was a nice thing that she didn't discriminate on how she wanted to murder people. It was all situational. I really liked the lead actress. I thought she did a great job also. Um, all the acting, really. I thought everyone in this one. There were no, like, weak links, I thought. Um, I thought it was an interesting revenge story for sure because she just goes from like zero to 100. It's just all of a sudden and now she's, oh, she's murdering people. Great. Wonderful. I'm not against it. I'm down. It was kind of funny. There was like a weird back and forth because I was watching it with Nick. And so he the whole time is being like, why is she going to, why is she going to push him off the roof? He's just saying things on the internet. And I was like, he called her. He, I was like, wait, hold up. He said that he hoped that she got fucked to death. And he was like, well, okay, well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's what, and I'm like, yeah, no, there's a reason that she's pushing him off of this roof. Like, what are you? So that was like a kind of interesting moment of like back and forth where I was like rooting for her and he's like, why is she doing this? But anyway, it was nice for me to watch this woman just annihilate all these men who said awful things about her on the internet. Not that I've really de dealt with that, but, you know, you just see it over and over and over again. And you're always like, why are these people, you know, saying all these awful things? And it's always like a funny story of like women like sending these like young boys, mothers, like screenshots of the awful things that they say to them and being like, you know, your son's saying this. And they're like, oh, my God, he would never No, But it's like, yeah, that's literally all yes, these people are doing. <laughs> all these 14 year old boys are doing. And he did it. Um, so I just thought it was funny. I thought it was up, pretty upbeat for the subject matter. Not that I think she's in the right. It was definitely an extreme reaction uh, to the shitty things that people were saying about her. 
but it was still satisfying knowing that it didn't really happen. Um, yeah, I liked it. I thought, uh, I thought this one really did the trick for me this week and it was nice. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I loved this one. This was great. Um, a lot of fun. Highly recommend this one. And yes, it is on Shutter uh, or VOD. Um, I got um, suspended from Twitter one time uh, for 12 <laughs> hours, the only time, just for suggesting, not even like threatening or saying, or, or just merely suggested that Mitch McConnell die in a reply tweet. <laughs> See, like, tweeted something, and I just responded, just the word die. Just like it's a, it's an option that's out there, and that got me uh, twelve hours in the clink, which I spent not being reformed at all. I spent consumed with thoughts of revenge, and I went right back out and reoffended. So I think this um, I enjoyed that this was like right from the day's headlines. You know, there's a lot of talk about toxicity online and how people are sort of like being degraded into this mode of communication where nothing is real and everybody is just a disembodied account and you're just typing in the dark and you can say all these terrible things to anyone. Um, I love the the sort of like tension and conflict between the idea of don't read the comments, which her new boyfriend says to her at one point in the movie and people always say that don't read the comments, but then they go on Twitter, which is basically just the comments like that's what Twitter is like if you just took all the comments from the newspaper articles and put them on one platform I love that like the compulsive nature of her scrolling like even though she knows that all she's going to look at is people saying terrible things about her she can't stop she's totally addicted to just looking at this all the time looking at these awful things that everyone is saying like that's kind of what it does to you. you get this caught in this like feedback loop and you go on this terrible phone app and you're like i'd like to tell this motherfucker how it is you know it's like it's so horrible but i like that depiction of how it's horrible but people you know you get really like compulsively into it and you you can't look away um so i thought that was cool and then the other thing kat you mentioned talking to to nick about you know whether it was justified to kill these people but i thought that was one of the, the smarter things that the movie did is that it made sure that it was you know, her moral authority was undercut throughout. Like, she was always shown as being kind of a hypocrite. Like, and, and that's another part of this dynamic is that's the other thing that you go on social media to do is to show everyone else how much better you are than them, how much more superior morally you are. That kind of was like her attitude almost in a way. So I thought that in lesser hands, you might not have that kind of that undercutting of her um, her authority. So I thought that was smart. And um, I think it's funny that this movie in, in the Netherlands, the title of this is actually would translate, in English would translate to something close to like the whore or the cunt or the slut or something. That's what the, the Dutch translation means, but I guess that would be too like edgy for international markets, too edgy for the American market. Certainly it would get, like, get canceled or something, even though it's like saying the opposite, because that's how dumb we've all gotten now. Uh, on social media. So they had to call it the columnist so that people don't get mad before they even see it. But this is a great one. I recommend it. Um, I like that this is based around um, a writer. That was like my favorite part of it. It kind of had that like uh, like Nightcrawler sensor, like even like Christine, where you have these people that have these really heavyweight expectations on, on what they're doing and they're immersed in their work. And then they start kind of going mad from, you know, the the input from the outside to their art. Um, in this case, it's her writing. And then she has like writer's block until the kills start happening. So it's it's like a, 
it's also you know rejuvenating her it's like limitless or something it's like giving her like this power um and i like that that went hand in hand um with the deaths so as they escalated so did her like you know ferocious typing like that's always like a good trope in horror movies there's always a writer that's somehow gone off the deep end to uh, attain uh the story um but i like this i saw this a little while ago and didn't really remember it as well uh but i enjoyed it much more the second time um definitely uh my favorite movie from the netherlands one of my favorite parts is you know, we talk about Trent, like, you know, you're talking about like followers and, and Twitter and like all this stuff in comments. They just do a lot of like really fun, subtle things in this movie where like sometimes when she's like doom scrolling about herself, she's getting pissed off about these people that have like two followers, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, one yeah, like, yeah. Um, yes. you know, it's not like she's scrolling through people that are like reaching tens of thousands of right. people. That's like, the, yes, they're throwing this vitriol out there for themselves and nobody else gives a shit. Yes, um, and it's just yeah. so if you watch the movie part, again, yeah. keep an eye when she's scrolling because at no point does she pass anybody with any meaningful followers. That's an important part of the whole dynamic is getting into an argument with you know Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo six nine bot six nine, and you know with two followers, and you see somebody like her getting dragged down into an exchange. It's like, why? Just log off. Just stop. I will say I did have a favorite, I think my favorite moment of like, I don't know, just like shittiness was the, I think it was the second guy. Oh no, I think it was the first one. doesn't matter. The neighbor was the first one, I think. Yeah. So second guy, she's like, would you say these things to your girlfriend? He's like, no, I would never say these things because my girlfriend doesn't write shitty articles. (laughs) (laughs) He had her there, I thought. And I'm like, oh, and then he like turns around and like keeps making sausages. I'm like, oh boy, you got to get it. Oh, you're going to get it so good. Like it was just, that was probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that, all of that was great. Like noticing the neighbor, you know, she like notices her obnoxious neighbor is one of these guys when they're saying horrible, horrible things about her. Like, I I love this idea. Like you get, you could like tell somebody, you know, you, you want them to die on Twitter and then like it's, realize it's your mailman or something. Yeah, and that's you'd be like, "Hi, have a great day." <laughs> well, like, that's what he tried to do, basically. Yeah, because she started a conversation. She's like, "How's it going?" And he's like, "Oh, good." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah." Like trying to be like, "Are you going to say something?" No. Okay. Well, you about to be- get pushed I was off just the on roof, the computer. Son. Yeah, you said I should yeah. uh, be stuck on a post and roasted cunt first on the beach. What was that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cunt first. <laughs> I just that first kill where she just like decides she sees him on the roof and just like climbs right up there and she's just kind of like sneaking up on him. And then, you know, we get a frying pan. The laptop is a pretty classic one where, like, Uh, you know, you think she's walking out of the room and it's just like, oh, my God. Um, But at some point in the movie, she decides that because her daughter in this movie is also like big time activist. So Femke is trying to, as a single mom, she's trying to raise her daughter, Anna, to have free speech and to stick up for herself. So both of them are always at odds with the headmaster of Anna's school. And at one point, Femke, because you guys notice that like she always has a twitch when she's not doom scrolling, typing, or killing. She's mm. always fidgeting with her fingers. Um, so at one point, she needs to feed this beast and she goes after the headmaster. And before she can get to him, his wife walks out with their son. 
and she has to abort the plan. And she throws this massive fit in her car. And I think when you watch it the first time, you could be like, oh, she does have a conscience. Like she's, she's realizing what she's doing and she can't kill this guy because he has a wife and a child. Watch it the second time. She's just mad that she can't get her kill in. Like she, mm-hmm. doesn't re- she doesn't really care that he has a wife and a daughter. She's literally just sitting there pissed off because she can't get her fix. Right. I like how, how dark it got. It got just the right amount of dark in this. Yeah, and I, I loved the, um, the horror writer boyfriend and his, and his <laughs> yeah. whole uh, relationship with the daughter. I thought all of that was really smart. You know, of course, the daughter starts to suspect him, but um, he, he's been on a show with, with Flimpke before and kind of skewered her um, on one of these, like, antagonistic talk shows that everybody watches now, too, when they're not watching antagonistic content on social media. I, I thought he was a, a really interesting character to have in the mix. He goes by Stephen Death. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point he has to like, he has to admit to like, I think it's her daughter that his name's Eric Flinterman. <laughs> Twitter actually has, uh, you know, Twitter has done a lot over the years to continue to try to like cut down on the harassment because what what's experienced in this movie is very real. Um, it's real life for, of course, for a lot of people who do nothing but just have public opinions like to have a column they write for a magazine or they just happen to be you know popular on there because they're funny or they're outspoken in whatever um advocacy and so that just means you're you're sentenced to all this vitriol all day from strangers on the internet especially if you're a woman um one thing that twitter has done recently that i've noticed is uh if you let's say you go to respond to a tweet, you see a tweet, you go on there like a good Twitter user, you see a tweet, you think this dumbass, and uh, if you like respond like, "Wow, what a dipshit," uh, you get a little prompt, a little window comes up and says something to the effect of, "That's some rough language in this tweet. Are you sure you are you sure you want to send it?" And you <laughs> you have to say, "Yes, I understand. This is rough language, but I do want to say that this person is a dipshit." Um, it's all good. I think it's great for humanity. It's really a good sign for where we're headed. I would love to know Twitter's analytics about how many times that window has stopped a tweet versus how many times that tweet just goes anyway, baby. Yeah, that I would be interested in that. It, it's uh, I, I've kind of like I don't really I really try not to go on there and and call people names and stuff. It's I've definitely seen the window once or twice and been like ah you know what what am I doing? I, it's just, <laughs> I'm gonna move on here. I'm a sucker for like the the really basic animation of the the Twitter feed or whatever that comes on the screen while she's like grocery shopping or something. I like that. It's like, oh, like that's like my phone is in a movie. Yes, I love that. I I want to see way more of that in in my movie. There would be way more of that because it's such a, a omnipresent part of life, and you you don't see it represented the way that it's done in this movie is perfect. Where. It's almost like a subtitle. You're seeing these little tweet bubbles like around her head. And, you know, she, you know, because whatever you're doing, you're in the grocery store, you're getting coffee, you're even talking to someone, you're walking the dog. What are you always doing? You're always looking at this thing blipping at you. And in the middle of whatever it is you're doing in real life, you're seeing all these things like intermittently throughout your whole day. That should be, I think, represented more often. And, and this movie does it really well. I thought there was a fun moment. Um, you know, when it comes to us horror fans, you know, everyone kind of probably assumes that we're all dark, twisted weirdos. But there was a funny moment between her and her boyfriend, who's a horror writer and like talks about all these, 
you know, horrible things in his books where, you know, they're out to dinner and she's like, well, you know, you have all this hate in your heart. He's like, I don't hate anybody. (laughs) He's like, I don't have that. He's like, I've never said I've hated anyone. He's like, I just write about, I just write fiction. And she's like, yeah, okay, pal. So I thought that, (laughs) I thought that was funny. It was like, she's, she's like the, you know, the quote unquote feminist writing about soft boiled eggs in her column. Yeah. She's out there murdering people. Whereas her boyfriend, who writes like horror novels, is just like beep a doop a doo making dinner. Yeah, like, she's she's talking yeah. about like the little boy that like deserves to be hurt or whatever. You know, she's like pretty. Uh, oh yeah, she's, yeah. I forgot about that she part. Has oh of yeah, rage in her to begin with. I thought mm-hmm. uh, that one thing that kind of bugged me. I didn't buy was when she she takes us a, a finger from each of her victims, like a little like a serial killer uh, memento, mm-hmm. but she just keeps all the fingers in a, a box of frozen peas in the refrigerator <laughs> eventually somebody goes to make some peas and then you know that's i know <laughs> I was why does she the take time. the fingers is it like a twitter like a swiping like a phone finger like a oh, swiping finger is that, finger? <laughs> is that yeah, it yeah, I, I was i don't know i guess it that's why that was thumb, right though, right but it's not like a thumb it's one of the more comedic parts of the movie is that like the that's whole funny. time you're like when is she going to get caught and you're waiting for that like traditional road that a movie goes down where like oh no like her daughter's gonna find out her boyfriend's gonna find out um and like i don't think this is too spoilery but the ending is very american psycho well this is a a first time this is a first time um full-length feature film from the director who has the greatest name for a director his name is van art what an awesome name you know (laughs) Art is your name. Um, he's done a bunch of short films, and he has done a, a full-length documentary. But this is like his first for his first foray into um, a, a fictional feature, and I think a pretty promising talent. I'd be interested in, in seeing more. Yeah. So if you're interested in these movies and you want to catch some other Dutch horror, here are some other ones that I came across. There's a relatively new one called The Pool which I got most of the way through it, um, and I believe Katja Herbers has a small role in it. A um, little slow, um, but it's also the first movie put out by an association in the Netherlands that's trying to fund more horror and thriller movies from the region. So uh, There's a movie called Tailgate, um, which I, yes. the, the, the Netherlands name is hilarious. It's something about Flemke Boot. Or, it's funny. Just look it up. <laughs> um, probably the most classic uh, that Trent and I talked about, I think, on the Patreon is The Vanishing. Uh, and then there's the other movies I talked about from Dick Moss, which would be Amsterdam uh, and Sint. Uh, and those are just some of the few that I was able to to dredge up. There was a the interesting looking movie called Borgman that I kept mentioning to you and you kept uh, brushing me off. But that looks kind of cool. Yeah, I think I just kept mistaking it for like Ingmar Bergman or something. Like I'm like, what is Trent talking about? Oh, because I kept saying Borgman. <laughs> yeah. Tailgate's quite good. Oh, you've seen that. Yeah, it's about a, a exterminator, a pet pest exterminator who gets road rage, and he uh, kills the people when he gets mad at them with like this pesticide hose, oh. he, like gases them down their throats. Sounds good. <laughs> 